Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Rolling. All right. Welcome to this session of uh, Willing to Go to Any Lengths. Uh, my name is Preston, and I'm a recovering sexaholic. Uh, I am facilitating this session, and I am joined by Harvey A. Um, each, each of us will share our recovery on this topic. Then we will take time to answer questions. Uh, questions will be taken from the Ask It Basket. Uh, if you wish to participate, write your question on the 3x5 card and place it in a basket. I don't know. We have a basket? I'm not for sure about all that. But anyways, we got three by five cards here. Be glad, uh, be glad to get them out and you can ask questions. Uh, in the spirit of the fifth tradition to carry the message, this is a recorded session. The recording equipment will not be turned off during the session. We ask that you please silence all cell phones. Uh, and let's open with the serenity prayer. Serenity prayer. God, grant the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. All right. All right. The essay purpose. Sexaholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and to become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for essay membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. <coughs> SA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and to help others to achieve sexual sobriety. All right. So uh, we're going to go ahead and just kind of dive right in. Uh, the topic, once again, is willing to go to any lengths. Um, Harvey, Harvey and I are sharing together, and because I know Harvey, I'm going to share first. <laughs> Is that a compliment or an insult? <laughs> Both. <laughs> so, um, I, my name's Preston. Most of you guys know me. I've been around the fellowship since um, early 2000s. I came in around September 2001. And um, when I came into the fellowship and I was around guys like Harvey and Bill and, and uh, my now sponsor Steve and some others, I did okay. I found sobriety for about four years. And I wasn't willing to go to any lengths, however. I was doing sobriety because my wife at the time needed me to be sober, right? If she was going to stay married to me, I needed to stay sober. She left, and then I had no reason to stay sober, and I left the fellowship, and I tried 10 years of research and development before I came back into this, right? <laughs> so what I learned is I learned a lot of new things to try while I was in these rooms, and then when I got married again, 
I couldn't stop. And no matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't stop. After a few years of marriage, uh, my current wife figured out my secret life. And I couldn't hide it anymore. And it was just, as Katie barred the door, I had to come back into these rooms or else she was going to leave me. Once again, doing this recovery thing for a woman, not for me, right? After a couple of years of slip, start, slip, start, never could get good traction going, finally... I was sitting in a room one day, and I had, I know what it was, Alan was my sponsor, Alan C., some of you guys may know him. Uh, He was my sponsor at the time, and I was sitting in a room, and the conference for San Antonio was coming up a a few years back, and um, I had a little bit of sobriety going, but, but I just said to something to the fact of, well, I don't have the money to go to the conference, right? And uh, Alan looked at me and he goes, you sure had the money to go see prostitutes whenever you wanted to, right? <laughs> and uh, I had to stop and I had to think about that. Or, you know, yes, I did, you know. And, and that's kind of started this whole thing of me finding recovery and doing things that I was never willing to do before. Willing to go to any lengths. And now, as I go through recovery... The one thing that I, that I see for me is, do I, do I hesitate? You know, do I hesitate to do something? When my sponsor tells me, just be honest, you know, or he tells me that I need to go tell my wife something or I need to go to a meeting, that's the hardest one. I don't get it. Here I am, I'm in recovery, you know, and he's like, you need to do, he doesn't advocate the 90 and 90 or 30 and 30 or any of that, but it's it's like... He calls me, have you been to a meeting in a couple of days? And I'm like, no. And he goes, you need to go. And I'm like, but I've got this to do, and I've got this to do, and I've got this to do. And he goes, I don't care what you need to do. You need to get to a meeting. And so I'll drop what I'm doing, and I'll go to a meeting. And never once have I come away from that. But, but when I look back now, and I'm starting to get what this whole willing to go to any links thing is, and I don't know, I know Harvey's going to have some amazing stories, right? Because he's... <laughs> Every time I call Harvey and I say, this is going on, he goes, oh, that's nothing. Let me tell you, right? And, and so, you know, that's, that's what I'm experiencing now more and more. Like, people will call me and they're like, well, I just can't or this or that. And I'm like, oh, well, that's nothing. Let me tell you what I had to do. So here's some of the links that I've gone to, and I'm going to share some of that. So when I was in recovery, my, uh, one of my first sponsors... He was, he was like, Preston, I call him up. I'm like, man, I just, I want to look at porn. I just, I want to go master, but I want, I, I just, I need, and he's like, go to Kroger's. I'm like, okay, why am I going to Kroger's? He goes, I need you to go to Kroger's and I need you to go look in the parking lot. Okay. What do you need me to do? And I'm asking questions because I'm not surrendered at that point. Right. And I'm like, so why do you need me to go to Kroger's? He goes, I need you to look in the parking lot and I need you to find trash. And I'm like, why do I need, he goes, I need you to pick the trash up. <laughs> Okay, I hung up the phone and I didn't do it, right? I was not willing to go to any links. So let's fast forward to this time when I come back off of, you know, being out doing my research and development. And, and we come back into the fellowship and my sponsor is, his name is Steve. It's a different Steve than my current sponsor, but his name is Steve O and he's in Franklin. He is absolutely, I would describe him as a batshit crazy. And he calls me one day and he goes, 
Preston, where's your meeting? And I said, it's at Spring Meadows Church in, uh, you know, Spring Hill. And he's like, great. It's at Spring Meadows Church. Is there a meeting there today? And I said, no, not today. And he says, I need you to go down to the church. And I'm like, what for? And he goes, I need you to go pick up trash in the parking lot. I'm like, I heard this a few years back and I didn't do it. And I didn't stay sober. So I'm like, I'm going to do it. And so I went, and I went, and I took a black trash bag, and I went around, and I picked up maybe half a bag of trash, and then I called him up, and he said, I want you to call me when you're done. And I called him back up, and I said, I went, I picked up about a half a bag of trash, and uh, and I said, you know, what next? And he goes, you only got half a bag. I was like, yes. He goes, go to another parking lot somewhere nearby and pick up more trash until that bag is full. So I did it. And then I called him back, and he goes, did you act out? And I said, no. And he says, how do you feel? And I said, I feel pretty good. I just picked up a bunch of trash, and, you know, the parking lots are clean. And, and he goes, great. Now go home, buy some ice cream for your wife. I'm like, no. You know, but, yeah, I went and bought her some ice cream. Took her home. My wife actually liked me that day, right? <laughs> that, to me, is going to any lengths. It's not questioning why. It's just doing what my sponsor said, right? There's another thing that I've done since I've come back into this that has actually been beneficial and helpful to me. And if you haven't tried it, I highly recommend it. But when I first came back into this program three years ago, full-heartedly dejected with nothing better to do other than either lose my job and my wife or get back into this program wholeheartedly, I called up, I called up a guy. His name is Bill S. Most of you may know Bill, several years of sobriety. And when I called him up and I said, I don't know what to do. And he says, have you tried working the steps? <laughs> And I said, as a matter of fact, no. And he says, I recommend you call a sponsor and you start working the steps. And I said, well, I don't have a sponsor right now. And he gave me the name of Alan. And Alan's first response was, let's work those steps quickly and let's work them often. And as I had him for about a year as my sponsor, we worked the steps at least twice, all the way through in a year. I would meet with him every Friday. We would go over a step. We would go over what step I was working on and we got through it. And I got stuck on this one step. Step four seems to be the one I always got stuck on because I had like 150, 200, 300, 400 resentments. I don't even know. It just, the list just kept growing. And I got to that and I would get stuck. And he said, Preston, take your top 10 and let's go from there. And I just took my top 10 and I went. And then he came back and said, do you have 10 more? I was like, hell yeah. And so he says, write them down. Let's do. And I got through, I, I probably, I still haven't gotten through all my resentments, but I've worked a big portion of them as I've done them each time. And then we moved on to step five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. So I'm doing those things now on a regular basis in step 10. You know, every night I go to bed and I'm like, oh, my wife pissed me off. I better, you know, check that in. And I would write it down. And what, oh, wait, well, she was, she was, fussing at me because guess what I didn't do this okay so maybe I need to make an amends you know and, and I'm doing my steps now um, I was recommend I call Harvey and he says have you tried 11 step I'm you know dealing with something anxiety or anger or, or fear or whatever and he's like have you have you done your 11 step when's the last time you've meditated I hate meditation. Pull out your Calm app and sit down and do three minutes. Okay. I do it, right? And these things help. Just being willing to stop what's going on. Being willing to just do what's been asked of me. 
being willing to go to that length, whatever. And so far, I've found that nothing is absolutely too crazy. Um, you know, and, and I've been really put to the task here in the last six months. I've been asked to do this, uh, the registration chair for this, for this convention. And then, thank you. And, and when I took this duty on, not long afterwards, guess what? I got a promotion in my job because no longer am I looking at porn and, and, and not doing my job. I'm actually doing my job. So, so I got, I, I got a promotion. They're moving me down to Tampa. I'm trying to sell my house. I'm doing all of this with the, and I came to my sponsor and I said, I need to drop out of the registration. And he looked at me and said, why? You know, and I'm like, well, I've got all this going on. He goes, so? And, and so he wouldn't let me drop out. And you know what? It's worked out. Matter of fact, you know, I mean, it's put some strain here and there, but for the most part, it doesn't take all of my time. I've still been able to do all these other things and kind of, you know, I'm always finding that there is more sand to put in that jar. You know, I put the pebbles in, put the sand in, now I'm starting to pour some water in. But but it may overflow soon, but right now God has provided these, you know, the ability for me to get everything done in a day. And, and it's because I'm willing to just keep doing this. Because if I don't do this, if I don't do things like, uh, there's a card here, you know, what do you do, when, and, and Harvey's mentioned this earlier, what do you do if your wife doesn't want you to go to meetings? That happens to me all the time. All the time. And I will call my sponsor and I'm like, I haven't seen my wife in a week because I've been traveling, and I, but I feel like I need to go to a meeting. He goes, go, go, go to a meeting. I'm like, but she'll be mad. And then I've heard this from Harvey over and over. If you weren't afraid to piss her off in your disease, why are you afraid to piss her off now? <laughs> and so guess what I do? I go to the meeting. My wife may get angry, but she likes me a lot better when I'm going to meetings than when she would much prefer me to go talk to seven or eight or nine guys in a room than to go to talk to a girl online or look at porn. I mean, it's just, it's a better option today. Um, and I'm willing to go to that length. I'm willing for my wife to be a little upset with me to, to stay sober today. I'm willing to come to this convention, um, and, be a part of it and to share with you guys. I was scared to death when I saw that I was paired with Harvey. I was scared because, uh, you know, Harvey's given a thousand of these talks and this is my first convention talk ever. So, you know, it's just, uh, it's, I just thought I'd get up here and share whatever comes to my mind. I didn't want to script it. But, you know, the thing is, is it's just, for me, I have to be willing to be uncomfortable and to do the next thing that my sponsor or Bill or Harvey or any of you guys in the room, because uh, I've heard I've heard it said in these rooms that I can walk up to a person on a park bench and ask them what to do and they will have a better answer than I have. <laughs> and that's absolutely 100% been the case in my life. Because for me, I can't. Somebody else has to help me. And so uh, that's the links I'm willing to go to today. And just, just for this 24 hours, I'm willing to ask for help and to step away. And one of the hardest things to do is step away from that registration table and leave it unmanned. I've been there the whole time. I haven't got to go to any of these great sessions. And, and it was because I'm a control freak, right? <laughs> and, and so I've let go of control and I'm stepping in here. 
and this is this is awesome. It's fun, and uh, I appreciate the the encouragement and applause I get from you guys. And I, you know, I've just got to be willing to put in the effort that I put in my disease. I put in a lot of effort in this disease, a lot, and I haven't even touched the surface in recovery. Uh, I probably put in maybe maybe twenty percent of the effort I put into my acting out my disease. So uh, if I can get to a hundred percent of this recovery thing. Uh, there's no telling what can happen, right? I'm, I'm, I don't know. We'll see what happens. So with that, I'll stop and let Harvey. Thank you. Thank you. Harvey Asher, sexaholic. Uh, when I first share, I was in the most unbelievable situation about a half hour ago we were in the hospitality room and a man I love just recently lost his wife and it was just too much for him quick loss and we've been trying to help and then a man sitting here who is sitting next to us shared the answer to watch was his problem. He might not know it yet, but it was the answer. And it reinforced once again that there are no Harveys and no this and no that. We have a bunch of recovering drunks that God talks through. Jess would call it He needed a God with skin, meaning to hear the answers through people who know us. Not blood relatives. (laughs) Know us from their experience, strength, and hope. What a connection. Um, Going to any length... First of all, why doesn't the steps work for most people? Can you imagine I'm saying something sacrilegious? (laughs) If the steps were that good, why do most people relapse? Very few, you see, with the numbers of the years. Why would they relapse? The steps do it all. People forget that the steps are in chapter 5, where it enumerates them, but it comes in the second page of step of chapter 5. If you don't get the first five paragraphs of chapter 5, you're not going to get the steps. And what does it tell us in the first five chapters? It says there's only one way not to get this program. And that's not to be honest with ourselves. Then it goes on to say many other important things. We had to let go of old ideas 
doesn't say we had to let go of old, our old religion or our old citizenship or old ideas about it. Very different. Because everything's been programmed in through the skewed curve of the area of the people that have been programming it in. Okay? With that in mind, one of the basic things is being honest with ourselves. Says it three times in the first paragraph of chapter 5. So what does that mean, being honest with ourselves? It means our definition of sobriety has too many loopholes. <laughs> so if we're not honest with ourselves, we're going to stay drunk and say we're sober. Do you know how many people in this fellowship think as long as you don't have an ejaculation and you t- play with yourself, that's not masturbating? I often say, by the way, if it's not masturbating, why do you call it? <laughs> and someone said, fun. <laughs> you know, around the fellowship, it says, when you wash yourself in the shower one time down there, that's getting clean. Twice it means you're super clean. <laughs> The third time, you're playing with yourself. (laughs) (laughs) To thine own self be true. You get all this technical stuff when most people have not been honest with themselves about the truth of their condition. So how can you go to any length until you go to any length about being honest with yourself? And one of the main honesties is most people don't want to do it. They want to stop getting in trouble. They want to stop their wives getting angry or the divorces or the money it costs them. But they don't want to stop doing it. And then... They have this higher power that thinks they think he doesn't, it doesn't know that they really don't want to stop. So the first honesty is to be able to say, to go to any length, God, I don't give a crap. I don't want to really stop lusting. Or, God, I really don't believe in the first step. See, most of you don't, for various reasons. One reason is you're not able to see the words in the first step. So when you read those words, you're seeing something very different written. You're seeing we are powerless over masturbating. We are powerless over pornography. We're powerless over acting out. 
and our lives become unmanageable. You're not seeing the word. It says nothing about acting out. Nothing. It says what? What word? One word. So, Roy, in his wisdom, increased the membership requirement from what AA has. In AA, it says, we're members if we have a desire to stop drinking. That's not what our sobriety definition says. It says, our membership is that we want to, st- we have a desire to stop drinking and become sexually sober. Everybody is in trouble. A lot of people in trouble. They want to get sexually sober. They don't want to stop drinking. No, drinking, meaning the lust. Drinking. People don't, that's a good example. People have difficulty with the concept that lust is the liquor. Masturbation is the result of the lust. How many times does Roy have to say it in the big book? In the white book. And I'm going to keep bringing up Roy. This is not the Roy speaking this afternoon. This is the Roy who founded the whole world's essay. The other Roy was here early in Nashville. Well, here today. We're starting to not to hear his name, Roy. Roy was inspired, I feel, was a divine inspiration to write those words as they were written, were the only fellowship, S-fellowship, that does not talk about acting out. It only talks about lust. Now, to thine own self be true, The question is, what is lust? Okay. That was the question. I was ignoring it, but that was the question. (laughs) What, What is lust? You know what it is. You know it. No, you know it. This program cannot be gotten like a religion. It's written. It's true. You do it. No. This is not a religion. This is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope. There are no what you've made into Harvey's or anyone else. There are no leaders. There is no one who could kick us out. There are no rules. There are no laws. There's no authority. It's a spiritual entity. Because you could do 
just what this is, because you're very comfortable religiously. Whether you're Muslim, Jewish, Christian, you're used to it. You get a word, and you play with it, and you get it defined, and then you get 20 different people with the same different definitions, and you get all excited about, oh, this one said this, this one said that. In the meantime, while it's happening, you're thinking about some woman you want to get laid. (laughs) (laughs) Or when can I get out of here to watch some porno? That's lust. And man, you want to watch the topic of lust get destroyed? Very easy. I I bring it up all the time. Same thing happens every time. I hardly ever bring it up anymore. Oh, yes, it's about lust for sex and lust for a big car, and lusting for a house, and lusting for... Immediately gets off the subject. Immediately changes its essence. And what Roy is sharing, it's about fantasy. The thought and the feeling getting connected Once that happens, it is created and you must do it. So a great basketball player who does wonderful three-pointers, you think he got that way by sitting, standing in the court just shooting the ball, baskets? Man, when he woke up in the morning, when he... Eight, when he slept, he was shooting those baskets in his head, visually. So by the time he gets to the court, it's not a court. He's been in the court all this time. Because our brain makes a separate universe that we think is real. So someone called me some months ago, I really didn't know him, and it, it was a sting operation, and a guy, it just messed up this guy's life, this sting operation. And he said, I kind of knew it was a sting, I felt uncomfortable, could have been a sting operation. I don't know why I did it. I said, you couldn't help it. You had done it probably in your head so much that it was already real. So going there was not reality. It was already real. The power of our brain that most of you have been taught to trust The brain that got us into the problem we use to get us out of the problem. How much time do we have? Keep going. No, no, no. Just tell me. Half an hour. And stop me when it is. Yes, sir. So I don't have to be insulted by everybody about how much I talk. (laughs) 
typical addicts everywhere I go. They set me up to talk, and then they tell me I talk too much. They say, you're right. I did it. I did it. I mean, all the time. So I, people in Nashville don't let, like to hear me talk. I, you know, if they hear me at meetings, at regular meetings, never get asked to talk. So the, a few months ago, the speaker, we have an open meeting once a, a month at this meeting, and the speaker never showed for a little 10-minute talk. They said, who wants to speak? And it was dead silence. And say, oh, I'll speak. <laughs> oh, my God. So the guy, the chair guy, said, no, you speak too much. And, I, and he just, whoo. It didn't stop me, though. <laughs> if I don't give it away, I can't, I can't keep it. <laughs> I got a lot to give away. I've had some of the greatest sponsors that you could imagine what I have been taught over the years. And it was taught through just them passing, sharing their experience, strength, and hope. And I made a joke to, with someone this morning I was, and told my wife, God, I get quoted all the time with things I've never said. <laughs> it is amazing what people say I say. I've learned not even to, to touch it anymore because it reinforced what my sponsor over 30 years ago said. Before you speak, ask God to speak for you. And he said... it doesn't matter because God is also having the person hear what they need to hear. Not what you're saying, what they need to hear. So I've learned to keep it cool. So going to any length meant a piece that we don't talk about much, the crucible of our experience. What is true sobriety? Okay, what's a crucible? I've known this guy for how many years now? Fourteen. Fourteen. He does this all the time, but now I don't... <laughs> I enjoy it, plus God spoke to me through him just about a half hour ago. I used to go, remember? And I get... I don't know, maybe I'm just going to die soon. I'm getting so used to this stuff, but it's okay. Okay? You're welcome. Crucible. See how God's talking through him? Because most people won't ask. And luckily, I sponsor a whole lot of people from other countries. M most people from other countries who speak English well really don't understand um, many, many words. And they assume what you're saying. And I've had to learn to say that. Also, 
There are people in our room that were brought up on in childhood on a different language. I've had to learn, even though they speak perfect American English, that they're not understanding a lot of words I'm using. Crucible is a porcelain cup. And in chemistry, you have what's called a Bunsen burner, a little lamp with a flame. Gas goes in it, the top lights it up flame. Then you have a little platform, and you put this porcelain dish on the top to hold, and you take one chemical, you put it in, let's say it could be sodium, you take another chemical, like chloride or something, you heat it, and it becomes a different substance. Something new. And this is for real. This is what they do in chemistry. So in the crucible of our experience, meaning by what we go through, what we've done, what we've mixed together, something beautiful could come out of it, something new. But if we don't learn from it, this newness, we could cause an explosion. So many of you Know what you can't do, but you don't really get honest with yourself about it's not going to work. So I give this little example. If my wife is getting undressed, and it's not for the time when we're going to be intimate. Yet at 80 years old, you still do it with the help of Viagra. It still happens. <laughs> God bless crucibles. Yeah, Kevin. <laughs> My wife says, yeah, you could take vitamin V today from Viagra. Yeah. <laughs> So, the crucible in my experience, if she's getting undressed and she has nothing on and I don't immediately walk out, I'm going to touch her butt. It doesn't matter how much sobriety I get. I'm going to touch her butt, her naked skin butt. I'm going to do it. We cuddle to fall asleep at night in bed. I hold her on top. I can never put my pelvis next to her backside. I'm going to start humping. That's a crucible of my experience. And if I hump, you know what's going to end up happening. And I was a sexually abusive husband. That was part of my addiction.
Have you heard any shame in my voice about what I'm sharing with you? Because I'm not feeling any. Because I know I have a damaged brain. I know I'm not like normal men. Normal men can masturbate. They can watch pornography. They could have affairs every now and then. No way. I cannot masturbate without ending up doing it every few hours. I can not visit a prostitute. I start getting the guys, the gals together and having the whole combinations and spending whatever I have on the prostitute. It's so simple. I'm like a man who has lost his legs and can never grow new ones. Interestingly enough, I'm not allergic to sex. I'm allergic to lust. If I don't, as long as I stay honest with myself and know how many about orgasms I could handle a month, I have to be honest with myself. That's it. I'll end up a mess again. It's that self-honesty and the going to any length is the ability to say, I can't do that. I cannot see nudity. The moment it accidentally shows up on TV, there's no matter, I filter my programs, I do things, periodically it shows up. Or you go places. We were asked to speak in the Netherlands or went to Belgium, I forgot. And man, the posters and the train stations, the nudity. The moment I see skin, something happens to me. A change happens to me. So I've had to learn tools because I'm willing to go to any length to acknowledge that I'm powerless. How can you work steps on stuff you don't know you're powerless, especially when it's vague? You know, I tell this story all the time. About two years before our founder, Roy, died, I went up to him at a conference. said, Roy, you know, you're, you were very interested in kind of tweaking what is the definition of marriage. But it's so vague about what you mean sex with self so vague and I was shocked what he said to me Harvey this is not a religion we cannot dot every eye to thine own self be true there are behaviors some of you could do sexually with your wives and have no problem I might not be able to do that same stuff so to ask your sponsor is this okay? Is that okay? 
You already know. You know what is safe and you know what's not, and then you immediately block it. And I hate to use the word you, I. And there'll be certain behavior in bed, and I'll say afterwards, that didn't feel right. So what do I do? Do it again the next time. (laughs) (laughs) Gee, that just didn't feel as right as how we usually do it. So what do you do? You do it again. God, it still didn't feel quite like it usually does. So I call my sponsor, and I tell him, and then the following week I do it again. Guess it's in marriage. You could do anything in your marital bed. Legalism. Did it again. I said, called him up, said, or I said to myself, if I do it again, I will call him to tell him if I ever do it again, I'm putting it on my bottom line. This my program is not about acting out or lust. It's about comfort. That's what I was taught early on. This program is about comfort. Because if you don't stay comfortable, you've got to default into acting out of some sort. Because the big book, in the doctor's opinion, gives us the problem. We are restless, irritable, and discontented. That's our disease. And we default with our genetic addiction propensity to taking care of that being restless, irritable, discontented. So even when things are acceptable, so I'll give you one little example. I love vampire movies. What can I tell you? I just love vampire movies. Well, I was watching The Vampire Diaries. I was in seventh heaven. Wonderful show. Get through the first year season. Wonderful. Next year comes on. Same type stuff. I start feeling stimulated. When the guy would suck the blood on someone's neck. (laughs) Something kind of, (laughs) whoo. So I watched another episode. (laughs) And this is the guy you're calling a guru or look at all this recovery. I mean, just bullshit. Amen. Amen. (laughs) And so I said, you got to stop watching this series. And my mind said it was towards the end or something. No, you got to finish it. How can you stop not knowing how the season ends? Once I heard that voice, 
I know that voice. I immediately erased it. And I said to my wife, I don't want to watch it. It was another show. She said, oh, I didn't like it anyway. (laughs) In my mind, I had she'd be upset. (laughs) My recovery is I'm willing to shut it off and erase it or put it on my bottom line. I have quite a few things on my bottom line, the program doesn't say. If I ever have sex with my wife twice in one day, that's a loss of my bottom line sobriety. That simple. Because my addiction was I was a sexually abusive husband. That's one of the manifestations among many. If I walk into a pornography shop, walk in, that's a loss of my bottom line sobriety. That's 35 years and months gone. If I purposely go to a health club and go into the shower room purposely without some crazy thing about a bathroom not being available, that's a loss of my sobriety. Bottom line, this I cannot purposefully do nudity, and my heroin are naked male bodies. I have I have my different drugs the, <laughs> in in the form of sex, but they're all drugs. I've ha- had to face the drugs and be willing to go to any length. To do it. Now, why isn't the definition made more strict? Because most people could do what I do. I can't do. Most guys in here could go into a locker room or a shower room with guys, even if you had sex once or twice with a guy in your past or whatever. I cannot do it successfully. I cannot. See my wife nude successfully, except that if the intent is for intimacy. To thine own self be true, going to any length. Okay, I think that's where we're going to stop. That sounds like a good. Let's see. We have about eight minutes for questions. If anybody, I know there was a few. So, hey, I'm Akiva. I'm a sex addict. Hey, Akiva. Um, can you speak about going to any lengths in recovery, not just preventative measures, but proactive recovery measures? Going to any length. You spoke a little bit about going to meetings, um, but more about like what you do for proactive recovery and growth. Go ahead yeah, and answer Har- it. Harvey said, let's have you answer. What, what would be something for you that's proactive? <laughs> hey, don't you love being put on the spot? <laughs> yeah, come on up here. Yeah, come on up here and answer. Come on. It's Kiva, right? Yeah. Not gonna, okay. Okay.
He is going to any links right here. Hey, I'm Akiva. I'm a sex addict. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, okay, three weeks ago, I made the decision to go for any lengths from recovery. Um, so it's been 21 days since then. I'm 45, 46 days sober. past three weeks, I've been to over 30 meetings. Um, yeah. Some days I've gone to two meetings. Some days I've gone to three. Um, I did it. I do it um, because I know that I need help. Um, I got a sponsor. I listen to what my sponsor says. I'm working the steps. I'm journaling. I'm meditating. I'm praying. Um I listen, I listen. I had a, I've been in program for a really long time, um, several years, eight years, seven years. I don't know what, how long it's been. I, 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 I battled it. I thought about it. Um, I finally realized that I can't. I can't. So um, So what are you doing for lust, going any left? For lust? We're talking also about lust. Yeah. To get rid of lust or to... to I, how do you get rid of lust? Okay, so... Uh, you can't. <laughs> on my way here, there was a um, there was a, in the airport. I stopped over in Atlanta. There was a woman playing the violin, and she was very triggering for me. Um, and I started thinking um, she'd be perfect for me. <laughs> <laughs> my wife doesn't play the violin. <laughs> So on my flight, on my flight from Atlanta here, I spent the whole flight journaling about um, what my fantasy was, um, what I wanted out of her, uh, my resentments towards my wife, which sort of fed into this, um, and what I was really missing in my own life um, that I wanted to uh, fantasize about this violin playing woman. Um, and then I, I, I let go of it. Um, so that's what I did. What's the first thing you do in the morning when you wake up? Uh, the first thing I do when I wake up is I get out of bed, <laughs> 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 which is a big deal because it wasn't it didn't used to be that way. So right. that's the first thing I do. There you go. And the reason I asked that question is kind of I found that for me being proactive, it's the very first things that happen in the morning. If I I do three things every morning. I say the, the first step, second step, and third step prayer. Those three things, those three prayers for me, start my morning. If I don't start my morning like that, my day never goes as well as when I do. And I found that for me, being proactive, I've never acted out when I started with three prayers. Not once. Mm-hmm. So that's something to consider maybe as a proactive thing. First thing in the morning, you've got 24 hours, hit the floor. What would you do? Oh, he's, he had his hand over. No, okay. no, the guy with the the sweater. Yeah, he had his hand up first. Okay. And then this man, and then this man. I'm I'm Ryan. I'm a sexaholic. I guess my question is, um, when it comes to, well, question and a comment. I guess the question is, when we look at the sobriety definition, is there a danger? on one side, obviously, of trying to loosen the definition, but what about the effort of trying to make it more stringent, almost trying to trying to hurt yourself, almost? Trying like to make what? It, what do you mean? Um, like there was a discussion that someone, I guess their sponsor, 
told them that as part of the definition, if they touch themselves more than a certain amount of time, that they uh, have lost their sobriety. It wasn't something that the individual put on himself, but it was just something that a group of people around him said that this is kind of an extra layer. Um, I mean, isn't that more um, of us just being our higher power and kind of and kind of being hard on ourselves and whatnot? Okay. So, by the way, the question would be, what triggered the sponsor saying that? I'm not sure. Okay. Because what happens, we only hear part of the story. So the guy must have been, could have been saying, I keep touching myself. And then the sponsor says that. Okay? So you got to be careful how things are taken out of, out of context. But I wish anyone well listening to a sponsor. We don't listen to our wives. We're going to really listen to a sponsor. We lie to our wives. We're not going to lie to our sponsor. Okay? To thine own self be true. Why am I ever touching myself? So it's not necessarily a loss of sobriety. It's the concept of content, intent. Why am I touching myself? You really don't, other than when you wash yourself occasionally, when you're urinating, maybe. So... To thine own self be true gets that deep. This my penis is my main trigger. So I cannot even look in a mirror at myself. But other people can. So it's to thine own self be true and then you setting up your own bottom line. It's not them. Okay. And, and on that point of to thine own self be true, when it comes to willingness to go to any length, I guess, is it best to look at that as an action step or just something that you that you make a decision about? Because for me, I have to be, to myself, be true in recovery. You know, in my religious experience, we always say, I want to do what my higher power wants me to do. I want to do what God wants me to do. But to be honest, I don't want to do what my higher power wants right. me to do. Yeah. I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. Yes. You know, and, and, and really, I mean, I really want to do what I want to do. And, right. and more than that, when we talk about going to any length, that sounds like a blank check. I'm like, well, God, if, well, I'll do what you say, but what do you want me to do? I mean, well, where do you want me to go? And I'm really afraid um, to be willing because I want to do what I want to do. And I don't want to not right. do what I don't want to do. And you're answering your own question. Right. You've become honest. Yeah. I really don't want to do that. God already knows that. So when you are that honest, hey, I'm not ready. I don't want to do it. It makes life much easier than thinking you have to say what you think God wants you to do. No, you just say your truth. Okay. Thanks, let me yep. share. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Real quick. Yes, sir. My name is Oli, I'm a sexaholic. Uh, Preston, you yes. shared about uh, Preston, you shared about going to uh, meetings, even you're missing out one week, uh, not meeting your wife, your kids, and she gets angry. I, w I was wondering if you both guys can elaborate on that. I have five kids, Yes. and I work hard, yes. and I miss meetings, a lot of meetings, mm -hmm. but... My kids and my wife, they really need me at home. Right. 
and I know I know the answer is recovery first, going to Anilin, but what's the, the what's the how do you when do I define I'm going to any land or I'm just escaping the house and going to a meeting? That's so a double-edged question. It is a double-edged question. And for me, it's... Uh, so I look at it when I... Like I said, when I put as much effort into my recovery as I put into my acting out, then, you know, I haven't done that yet. I haven't been successful in, in putting my recovery to the point where... I would spend eight to ten hours a day looking at porn, masturbating, trying to get a hookup with some girl. I was online all day long. I would work for 45 minutes, and I would spend ten minutes doing work. And when I can put that kind of effort into it, and I still made time for my wife and my family and other things, at least somewhat, right? When I can put that much effort into my recovery, I can take an hour during lunch and go to a meeting, um, when it becomes escapism, I don't know that it ever has at this point. If it has, it may be, I may be lying to myself. Uh, but, you know, it, to me, it's just I've got to put that effort in because I've been told anything I put before recovery, I will lose it. And I found that to be true because I've lost three jobs to this disease. I've lost a family and two children to this disease. Everything I've put before recovery, I'd lost to this disease. So, so for me, uh, it's... <laughs> There's no wrong choice in going to a meeting versus, you know. Would you, if you had severe diabetes, would you say, I have to take care of my kids first to make breakfast? I better take my insulin. What did they teach you in airplanes? You put your mask on before you give it to your child. Meaning? Who am I kidding? If I'm not putting my program first, I can't have a wife. I can't have a relationship to children. It's just my fooling myself. And for the first two years, I needed three meetings a day. That's how sick I was. For the following many years, I needed new meetings a day. 35 years later, I'm still going to five meetings a week because the 12-step program is not part of my life. It is my life because without the air that I get here, I cannot live. It's that simple. I can't departmentalize my program. My program is it. Because without it, I can't get or keep anything ultimately. Is that enough? Or that's that's, that's all we have time for. So. Okay, guys. Yeah, we need to let's, let's circle up and say a prayer. No, God. Thank you. Yeah, you're right. All right, let's. We'll close with the uh, third step prayer. All right. All right. All right. Third step prayer. God, I offer myself to Thee to build with me and to do with me as Thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self 
that I may go to do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help. Thy love and thy way of life, may I do thy will always. Keep coming back, it works if you work it. All right. What time is lunch, do you know? And you can cheat and nobody can catch you. No. <laughs> right. Lunch. Here's lunch. Here yeah, Thirty minutes. Oh, now thirty minutes break and then lunch at twelve. Okay. Can I ask you a question? I think I missed what you said about my community. I really relate to what you said in general, I think you're really honest. But also um, about uh, this uh, TV show that you saw, you said that you what made you understand that it's not good. Thank you, Harvey. Thank you, Harvey. Oh, thank you. Dove Chi Center Regards from Baltimore. The best regards. I was starting to get an erection. Oh, like, like uh, erotic, like sexual. Yeah. Okay. I felt it in my penis. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Thanks, Harvey. It, like it, was it wasn't like, like it was fully developed. Yeah, yeah but I know. You know it's like happening. Yeah, definitely. Well, I ask you a question. I'm walking every day to a meeting. In my phone calls, um, you know, I see the guests with you on the list. I still feel like boarding you. I don't know what it is. I listen to my sponsor, do everything what he wants. Oh, um, I'm now up to 75. And, um, you know, so I don't, I'm not sponsoring now any, any, any people. But I feel something. I can do more. I can go to other um, any other lane, but I don't know what it is. Are you staying sober? What? Are you staying sober? So far. So what more do you think? I want to be stay sober. That's it. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.